Hi, this is And the Oscar Doesn't Go To. I'm Sam Meltzer, and on this podcast, a guest and myself will be discussing the films that received Best Picture nominations, yet not only failed to win that award, but didn't take home any trophies on Oscar night. Today, I'm going to be joined by returning guest and friend of the podcast, Ronaldo Sosa. I'm so excited to have you back on. Welcome back. How are you, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Today, we're going to be talking about Deborah Granick's Winter's Bone, which was released in 2010 and got four nominations. So what about this movie inspired you to select it? Well, I just, mainly just that I like it, but also because there aren't that many films that you get to talk about in this podcast directed by women, and this is one of them, so I wanted to at least have that. (laughs) Yeah, there is Lady Bird, maybe the only other one that's on the list. No, there are, I looked it up before this, and there are six, and you've already talked about three of them. This is the fourth, the Lady Bird, and... What I forget. Oh, well, the kids are uh, all the right. Prince of Tides, the Prince of Tides, and Lady Bird, and there's something else. I don't remember. <laughs> there's a little from the same year. Yeah, the kids are all right. The year before an education. I think you did that already. Oh yeah, that's yeah. So yeah, there, yeah, there are, are a few. not that many, but now a lot of the female directed films win awards. Um, so we don't yeah. need to be worried about that. Uh, but yeah. This is a very odd Best Picture nominee, I would say. It had so much passion, and I guess that's what allowed it to get nominated because it came out in June after premiering at Sundance and is a very independent movie. You don't see that often at the Oscars, but I suppose the expansion really helped it. It was the seeming 10th place, but I'm so glad that they nominated this instead of The Town because... Oh my god, it's so much better and it would it's just much more interesting as a best picture nomination. Was that a thing that could happen? <laughs> yeah, it got a PGA nomination and like a SAG ensemble. It was it was like this and the town were like competing for the 10th spot. It was it was between one of the two. There weren't oh really god, many other <laughs> yeah, there weren't really un- any other major contenders outside of I suppose another year which really didn't get enough buzz. Um but yeah, Winter's Bone is like one of the most independent movies to ever get a Best Picture nomination. It was made on a budget of two Pop-Tarts and five cents. It, it is so raw in, in that sense. And I, and I really like it when, when they, they shine a light on a movie like this because it really could have ended up as a just Jennifer Lawrence thing, but they went all out and gave it four nominations. And it deserved all of them. Yes. Spoilers. It did. Yeah, so at the beginning of the movie, Re, played by Jennifer Lawrence, live you see her in the dirty suburbs of Missouri, living with her two younger siblings and her mother, who's very sick and not really in the picture. So this area that she lived in is really just the middle of nowhere. It is a place where everybody is depressed or broke, or both of those, and it's very communal in that everyone is either kind of related or kind of knows each other. It's it's not a big community. Um, it's just very dirty, and not, not dirty, just really cold, 
and isolated and it just doesn't feel like a part of the world that gets a light shined on um and the sort of I don't know what the, the hook of the story is that Ree's father is missing. He's been missing for three weeks and we, we know that he's, he basically makes meth and does drugs and he's recently been arrested. He's been in and out of, of getting arrested and getting bailed and people don't know where he is. Um, so the film sort of starts out with like, I, I guess I'll bring this up later, but like, just like the, for the last moment of this first section is sort of her beginning the journey to find her father and, and sort of seeing what, what she can do, asking her neighbors, g- going around, asking people like if they know any information. So that's sort of like, I would say like the first 20 minutes of the movie. So what are your thoughts here? I think it does a really good job of setting the tone. And another thing that you didn't mention is that the reason why she has to look for him is because when he got out, he put the, their house as bomb. Oh, yeah. So if he doesn't show up for the court hearing, then they're going to lose the house and they're going to be out the street. And uh, so yeah. she has to look for him for that. And yeah, I think it's a good introduction because you get kind of introduced to the characters as she goes uh finding people i guess yeah and you get like even at the beginning when you see her you get like the introduction of the idea that maybe she would want to go to the army because she had mm. that scene where she's like uh, walking past like a uh, like some place where they're training sol- new soldiers and then she's this flyer on the wall that says like how they're gonna pay forty thousand dollars if you sign up and so you get that introduction of that idea and you get introduced to her and her siblings and like their relationship to how she, which is basically the breadwinner in the family because her mom is there, but she has some kind of issue. She's like depressed. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. She's kind of kind of tonic. Yeah. Uh, not in the picture so at yeah. all. Yeah. Yeah. You get like the introduction of her motivations. You get the motivations for everything that comes later. Mm-hmm. This is a very well established atmosphere because it's so specific. I think Granick does a really good job at really showing how freezing cold and how like sad and just empty everything feels. Even from the opening shot, I mean, no shot in this movie looks really smooth or Hollywood like. I would say um, it's just very gritty and to the point. Um, And yeah, I think it's a really great setup. I really like that, you know, sort of throughout the entire movie, but you're introduced to the idea that she's, we don't know if she's going to be around for that long. We don't know if she's going to leave her her hometown. So she has to teach her children about survival and about cooking and hunting and the ways to survive around this. I don't, I don't really want to call it a farm. It doesn't really feel big enough to be called a farm but their property, which is very much rooted in what they can obtain from nature because they're not rich enough to really buy a lot of items and food and they sort of aren't really near many establishments. They're kind of away from a town or from a society of sorts. So they really have to survive on their own and that just immediately adds to the tension and to the atmosphere of it because you know that there's something at stake even if the actual plot hasn't kicked in yet 
Um, and as for the actual setup of the story, um, I like that you see how she interacts with people before introducing the idea that she needs to find her father because you see her go to her neighbor's house and see if she can have some hay for yeah, the horse. Yeah, and... the horse to them. Yeah. So there's there's a lot going on prior to the actual narrative of the movie that's very interesting and really sort of adds on to the environment of the film, which is probably its key component. Yeah, and like given that scene, you get the idea of how they're not doing very well in that scene where she's taking the horse to the neighbor because they can't afford to feed it themselves. So they're like, can you just put it put her with yours and she can eat because I can't give her any food right now and the neighbor asked her like why like how long has it been since she ate and it's like three four days I don't remember mm-hmm. and then also the scene later when the neighbor comes by the house and she leaves food with her because mm-hmm. you, you get the idea that this is a very close community like there aren't that many people there but they all know each other and they all help each other when they can uh, when they're in trouble yeah, it's very, and that that kind of reminds me of the fact that this is a very independent movie. The idea of making an independent movie is like, there's so much community going on because you don't have much of a budget. This movie was what, two million, three million to make. That's not expensive at all. Um, so you really have to work together. Like everyone really has to like come together and make a movie if it's independent. That's why you rarely hear stories of drama on set with regards to the actors in an independent movie, because it's all they've got. Like there's not much wiggle room here. That's why you always hear those stories on very expensive movies where there's a lot of catastrophic events that can possibly happen. Uh, Yeah. Because a lot of these cheap movies don't even have, they don't have famous actors because they can pay famous actors. She was not, she was not a star at all. This was her breakout. No one knew who Jennifer Lawrence was before this movie. Which is weird considering how quickly she blew up. Um, But this was the reason why. This, This was her introduction, her breakout that really put her on the map. Um, and we'll get into this later, but you know, it's unfortunate that she hasn't done really any indie movies since then. I mean, Silver Linings Playbook is labeled as an indie movie, but like, is it really an indie movie? Is it? It's not. Yeah. It's not really because it it has like a major studio behind it. It's had an awards push. Was it like a Weinstein thing? I don't remember. Yeah, it's, it's a Weinstein movie. Yeah, I don't consider anything that he did indie. Me me neither. (laughs) Yeah, but I suppose that's sort of the first little introduction of the film. Um, So, so the first steps on her major journey are the John Hawks character, who is her uncle, and he's a drug addict, and he and he like dirt trap. Yeah, he's not. We don't really know what's going on with this guy. Um, There's something very quietly damaged about him um but he knows more information than she does initially um and he tells her that there's a crime um leader that that she can talk to in town to to figure out more information about it um but unfortunately that doesn't really work because his wife is very protective and vicious and basically tells her that there's no reason for her to to see him and that she's useless and wasting her time. Um, 
So the only thing that she's able to really notice is that he she's taken to like the place where he seemingly was last. I don't remember who took her there. Um, was it, it was someone, it was a neighbor. It wasn't yeah. family or anything, but it's someone that she knows. I don't remember. Yeah. It's, it's not very specified. Um, yeah. But he basically takes her to the place where he last saw him. And it's just this. Supposedly. It's, supposedly. Yeah, it's and supposed, it, it was a lab where he supposedly was like cooking meth. And, yeah. then, and then it blew as up. he says, it burned down, it blew up, yeah. And supposedly he died there because he wants her to stop looking. Uh-huh. And so he told her, like, he's dead and he's there. That's it. And stop. Yeah, digging. and that's really the first sign that she knows that her father is no longer alive. But she still needs to get the house. She can't just, you know, she can't just give up. Say, you know what? He's dead. Fuck it. We're all going to be broke. Um, so what she does, this, this is, I'd really say the first step on her journey, like the first time in the film when she knows what's going on. Um, so in order for her to get, have security of the house, she has to sort of have proof that he died. That he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. So she looks out to find the body. Um, and this is also the time when she enlists in the army and is not really allowed to because she's too young and ha- if she were to do that she'd have to get her mother to to sign for her and she doesn't want to do that um, yeah because she's still a minor she's 17 yeah but it, it would be for getting forty thousand dollars which is offered to her so that this is really like the main push um where all of all of the information is starting to piece together and she's able to you know set foot in it so so what do you think about this i well in that scene i really like that scene when she when the guy takes her to the to the burnt down lab because you also get in that scene that uh, you get to see that she's very smart because she notices that it isn't really what that that he's lying because she sees that the place had a lot of weeds growing up growing on it so it's probably burnt out a long time ago and he was saying like oh I saw him there last week so you already get the sense that she's a very smart person and that she can figure things out for herself and she knows how to take care of herself and yeah after that I think it's when she goes to the uh, to enlist in the army, and I saw uh, someone write about this movie saying that the only decent adult man in this movie is the the army recruiter, because he like starts oh, yeah. asking her about her family situation and like if she has to take care of her children, of her her siblings, because they're not her children, yeah. and she's also, he's also like asking her. Like, uh, like, are you sure that you want to do this? Because it's like a very big commitment to enter the army for five years. And like, maybe the money will not end up being worth it for you in the end. So he's like really doing his job and making sure that she's doing it for the right reason, telling her to come later if she still wants to do it. Uh, so yeah. And then every other man is just really not clear about what their motive is or just upfront about how stubborn they are very close-minded so it's nice to see that someone does their job correctly in such a society as this one 
Yeah, and then, but she still has to get the house because even if her father is dead, they don't know that he's dead. So she needs to find some way to prove to the police that he really did die and that he didn't just get the the court hearing just mm -hmm. to not go to jail. I really like the scene where she meets what's her, I always forget her name. The actress. Who, yes, when she meets her. Like that's that's a really good scene because the second you see that character's face, you know that she's not taking anyone's shit. She is up front and she's gonna be stubborn with her and she's an obstacle in the road. Um and I think that's that's both her just the way that her face looks, but also like Granick's sense of style and how to introduce the character because she doesn't have some climactic buildup. It's not like you know she's going to be there. It's not like you know the environment's going to be there. It, it's very much sudden and you're really experiencing it with Re. Um, and again, like that's that's the testament to this movie being so indie and to this movie being so raw um, that like all the characters in this movie like have the potential to be anything. It's very much unspecific about the way it views them. Um, so with this character specifically, I mean, you don't really know how to read her. You can sense that she's stubborn. You can sense that she's tough. And she doesn't really want to engage with anyone because I assume when your husband is a crime boss that you don't want to engage with outer forces, that it, it can become dangerous very quickly. And, and you get that vibe from her immediately. Um, but that, of course, I mean, her per your perspective on her is even more changed later in the movie towards the end, which we'll get into later. But yeah, no, I really like that scene. It also, as you said, tests her intelligence and her strength. Um, she has been surviving in, in this world for 17 years and she has to work her way around it. And this interaction shows how good she is and how 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 able she is at really driving all these forces around her that are not easy to do. Um, so you have that dimension to the character on top of the fact that she's a mother um, to her, to her siblings and that, and that she has to teach them about things that she had to learn. Uh, so it's all just a really beautiful character and a really beautiful sort of story, even though it's very isolated and at times difficult to sort of, connect with I guess from like a like neither of us live in environments like that so it does a good job at, at showing you how gritty it is yeah it, it has a very good sense of place and yeah she's really good at setting a tone for the film and I, I haven't seen any of other Deborah Granick's movies, but I've heard that like uh, Live No Trace is also very good in that way. That she's she knows she knows how to set a tone for the uh, for the setting of the film, and she knows how to build a lived-in place for the story to take place. Yeah, you get that too. It's just such a depressing place. I think there's a scene where she's trying to figure out more about her father, and she goes you know to one of her neighbor's houses or someone who lives kind of close to her and it's a birthday party but they're all singing like old songs and sitting on the couch it's just so sad um I don't know maybe maybe yeah. to them it's it's viewed way differently but 
watching that scene was kind of upsetting because it's like this is the most excitement that they ever have this nothing's really happening um so there's that's there's the same as she goes to his dad's mistress i think and he he asking like where is he and if she's yeah. seen him and that's who tells her that he's that she saw him like uh she's him i think a few days ago in a bar and that he looked at her and he pretended that he didn't know her yeah. and that like that's what told her that pro- that he probably wasn't alive anymore yeah because he like he knew and he didn't want to get involved in it yeah it's sad i mean i i mean we're kind of rushing through this movie because it's very short and it's also not that easy to talk about um it it's not like it it has a very loose plot but it's difficult to pin down how you feel about it in a lot of ways um yeah and like there's the, such uh, an the ambiguity is, to it yeah and the plot is not very it's very repetitive in a way because it's like her going places and talking to people and asking her the same thing it reminded me of like watching today's one night when it's like Maria oh my god going to people and having the same conversation over and over <laughs> yeah but i think with that movie i i think i like it more just because it's well she's in the leading role but also because there is like (laughs) there's more of a tension there's more anxiety built around it yes there's a deadline in this movie she has a certain amount of time to do it but the way that the film looks and the way that the film is paced doesn't feel anxiety inducing in that sense it's just really gritty and dark and isolated whereas with that movie she's always running sweating it's hot out I think that's the difference. The, the the weather is is captured way differently in the two movies. But I see what you're saying. Um, and that the way that the character is sort of moving through this world that's really crushing down on her. And, and she's just in this community that she has had to work her way around. It's really, it's really this interesting concept. Um, and it and establishes the repetition within completing such a task um but yeah it it, yeah. it is a lot of like the rest of the movie until i'd say the end is, is kind of the same thing and it's not that it's terribly boring or uninteresting it's just discussing it is more difficult yeah and the, like we also have to think about the fact that she is like she, yeah she grew up in this place and that made her like grow up more quickly but she's still a child she's yeah she's not an adult and like she has all these responsibilities laid on her that she maybe wasn't prepared to take because you get that scene when she's talking to her mom and asking her like like would you please help me now like I don't know what to do I don't know what I should do like can you please like snap out of it and help me just this once and she doesn't get a response so she just has to do everything herself because she can't depend on her brother or her sister because they're children even smaller than her they're like 10 I guess yeah she's the backbone of the entire community like it, it doesn't seem like anyone else in the community she lives in does anything besides drugs and kill people and be depressed and and farm she's really the only one who's going out of her way to do something different and that's very much true to to, to the community and and especially to her family Um, and she's teaching her kids how to be the backbone of it too because she doesn't know where they're going to end up and you have this really really great scene um, where she's sort of providing as a motherly figure teaching her children how to hunt 
Um, and even though they're very simple moments, they're still very effective uh, because they're captured in such a sensitive way. Um, and also Lawrence has this very vulnerable, innocent aspect to her performance combined with like the tough, intelligent part. And, and it makes for a really interesting development. And I think, you know, it, it's so odd because she's playing a teenager in this movie. And then two years later, she's playing, you know, she's in Silverlands Playbook. And in that movie, she had already had a marriage and had went through all of this stuff. And she's, she was like 21 she was or a 22. Widow at 20. A widow at 21. <laughs> so it's very different. And that's not to say that I dislike that performance. I actually like that performance more than most people do. Um, but it is odd, the difference in these two worlds. I, I would say that she, she does have a good distinction. Also, the accent, really good. Did not, did, did not bother me at all. And I, and I get really annoying with accents in movies sometimes, and it didn't get me here. So nailed it there. Mm-hmm. Very good voice work. Yeah, and well, uh, yeah, it doesn't sound like she's putting on an accent. It just sounds like she's just talking. This is the way she talks. About yeah, it. a lot of the time, even if it's well done, like the accent of an actor and a performance, you can tell they worked hard on it, and I commend them for it. But a lot of the time, they're showing you, I worked really hard to get this accent perfected. That's how you don't like Natalie Portman and Jackie. <laughs> Next question (laughs) yeah but also like the john hawks character is interesting um i'm very surprised that he managed to get nominated because his performance is so reserved and he wasn't like entirely expected especially considering that like andrew garfield was very loud in the social network and did a lot it's surprising that they choose john hawks who gives this very sensitive like oddly sensitive you can he he tries to act kind of tough to cover up his sensitivity but it it doesn't really work and you know he's been through a lot and he you know that like he has some sort of connection with Jennifer Lawrence's character being her uncle but they're also still very distant and I think that his performance makes you as an audience member feel distant too because there's something so reserved and hidden about it um and it makes you very curious yeah, and I I I like that he's like the only person that uh, that Re Jennifer Lawrence character can confide in because he's the only one that knows what she's going through, and he he also like her, his brother died, and there's that scene later on in the movie when they're talking, and he's saying like if you ever find out who killed. Mm. Jessa, that's her dad. Like, don't ever tell me because I'm gonna do something, and then like the family is gonna kill me now. Yeah, so, like don't ever let me know. So and like, there's, it's, then there's yeah. yeah, it's a haunting portrayal because like he knows his his misbehavior, and he's aware of the fact that it can be stopped, but he struggles so much. Yeah, and he also knows that you don't have to shout to be like menacing. <laughs> yeah, that scene when they're at the track in the middle of the night and they get they get pulled over by the police, and then mm. the police officer comes and he doesn't even really say anything. He just looks at him through the mirror and p- takes like the front of the, the shotgun and shows it in front of him, and he doesn't say anything. He just looks at him and. 
that makes him back away. So yeah, he's very menacing and very vulnerable. He's he, it's a great performance. I'm glad that he was able. It to is, it. and Jennifer Lawrence is also just very subtle. She doesn't really yell aside from the ending, but like it makes sense given what she's doing. Um, yeah, yeah, I would I would say that, and also like the kids in this movie aren't annoying. Like I know you hate kids, but they're actually quiet. Yeah, they're they're good. And they also are not that much in the movie, so they didn't need to do that much. Yeah. So I'm sure you appreciated that. <laughs> yeah. They're, I like kids sometimes. Sometimes. Not often. And this is one of those times. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that police... Well, the next scene in the film is when she tries to go back to talk to... I think his name's Thump Milton? Thump Milton? Yeah. I mean, I'm reading yeah, right here. Yeah, that's his um, husband. Yeah, she, she tries to go back, talk to him. She's she's getting more and more curious, more and more worked up. And she just gets beat up. I think by the relatives. Yeah, because she sees him at the, she sees him at the, like, like a rodeo or something. I yeah. And then she follows him around and then she goes to his house and that's when Del Dickey and uh, her sisters beat her up. Yeah. They just don't want anyone involved, which yeah, again, they don't want because yeah, they killed her dad, but they, they and they don't want her to get the gang because mm-hmm. maybe they think that she's just like doing it for vengeance, like she wants to get revenge on them for killing her dad. But then she explains to them that she only wants to prove that he's dead so that she can keep her house because if she doesn't have the house, then she can take care of her siblings. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's like the final, that and the police scene, which you just mentioned, are like the final moments before the reveal. Uh, ooh, I just had a weird cough that like didn't really come out. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it, it's interesting because she gets beat up, gets woken up, and then like you you begin to get more information revealed about John the John Hawks character. Um, and that's also... Oh, that's also sort of the moment when you are able to pin down a point on their dynamic um, because he really is helping her. And the only time, the only, like she understands that the only reasons why he's occasionally stubborn or not really following her and not really on board with what she's talking about is because he's a drug addict and because he's unstable. It's, it, it, she understands that it's not really her and she and she also understands that like a lot of this is out of his control and it's interesting to say this word but because it's such a quiet relationship that's i'm not going to say uneasy but difficult to to figure out about i would say their chemistry is very good but not in like a romantic way obviously or not in like a of course not. friendship way <laughs> There's something that they both know that the, the environment that they're living in is so unsettling and so different. And they, they're able to really understand each other. Um, and that was that was a nice little touch there. Um, because he, yeah, you can he, assume he's taught her a lot about survival. Yeah. yeah, and she even said in one scene that she's always been scared of them. And he just says like, oh, like, oh yeah, that's because you're smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, she is very smart. I mean, a lot of these, it, it's, and it's, it's not that she's this flawless heroine, 
she still does yeah, like have she to overcome a lot. Yeah, yeah but it's scared, a very human role. Um, that's a lot more intelligent and powerful than tropes that you see nominated in the best actress category. I think a lot of Academy voters tend to view performances where women aren't really playing a smart character or are playing someone who's very vulnerable and very romantic or very just not really aware of their surroundings and unstable. They tend to gravitate towards that more. Um, Mm -hmm. Especially if you look at her other nominations. I mean, this is the only one where she doesn't really scream. She doesn't really raise her voice. She's not really... She doesn't say how she's a crazy slut with a terror spent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not showy in any way. I mean, I mean, I wonder what would have happened had, had people not really thought of her as a star, like what her career would have looked like if she took on more projects like this like i i, I yeah, can't exactly. really think about it like it's kind of like david russell came around and he hijacked her career <laughs> and like he changed the entire course of what she could have been because like watching i'm not a big fan of david russell and i i i like her in those movies but i think that she could do so much better yeah work. like even given this and mother which he also made after all the david russell movies and she, that's my other favorite performance of her i think she's really great in mother and she's really yeah great in this. but that like, one is very really, controversial so like a lot of people yeah. don't like that performance <laughs> yeah because she's she doesn't really play in a person and that's just like an idea of something yeah and so but yeah, I really like her when she's not working with him. And even when she's working with him, but I think she's better when she's not. Yeah, like, she oh, usually like, is the best part of his films. Yeah, she is. Yeah. And I'm excited to see what she does now in this new phase of her career. Yeah. Long break. Because she's she has that movie like Red, Red, White and Water, I think. Yeah. Something coming out this year. And so I'm excited to see what she does. Um, yeah I, I, it's interesting because like people were really annoyed with her after like when she almost won for American Hustle which like that would have been fucking awful like come on like that really would have been so awful in every way um, like around that time people were starting to get very annoyed with her um, and didn't re- yeah, and sort of dislike it's her. the same thing that happened with, with Anne, Anne Hathaway, Hathaway. people yeah. don't like People don't like women being successful for some reason. It, it was sort of like the theme with the Oscar speech. Like, oh what, my god! And yeah. Hathaway saying like it came true, and then Jennifer Lawrence falling on the stairs. Yeah, and people. I mean, it was the same year too. So, <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, so she. Both of them kind of fell off for a while, so, and I know a lot of people were like excited to see Jennifer Lawrence back when Don't Look Up came out a few months ago. Um, because they had missed her. I mean, she was such a star in the beginning of the 2010s. And for her to just completely vanish like that doesn't doesn't really happen to many to many actresses. Um, but I suppose people really like just weren't having it after a certain period of time. Yeah, and I think she was always taking a break for herself, maybe. I don't yeah. know, really. I don't know what was going on in her life. I would assume. I mean, she was so young. Um, so yeah. you can't really blame her at all well do you want to discuss the ending of the film 
or yes. is there is there anything else we need to cover again like it's quick to talk about it because the story yeah, beats it's are... minutes. yeah it's very i mean that's really nice <laughs> i feel like best picture nominees just like looking at the last batch they're all like two hours and 20 minutes long um at least yeah, i even though i don't like belfast but that's one thing i appreciated about it it's not very long it still kind of felt longer than drive my car though <laughs> yeah but like there isn't <laughs> that much time actual time wasted even if it is yeah so. yeah exactly <laughs> um yeah so basically the ending the ending is amazing I'm, I'm just gonna say flat out like it's it's it's, it's an excellent clue I'm not gonna say twist I'm just gonna say conclusion to this to this very interesting story um so basically the women who beat her and Dale Dickey offer her to see to show them where the the dad is so she can yeah, yeah, like she says, I'm taking you to your daddy's bones. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's so, the winter's bone. <laughs> yes, winter's bone. Um, so they take her to a lake, and it's at night. This is, like, such a good scene. The atmosphere is so on point. They take her to, they take her to a lake, and they say, this is where your, your dad is. Put him on the boat. She reaches into the water and, like, takes her her dad's hands and and basically just like doesn't have the willpower and the strength to be able to put him on the boat it's also not a very big boat so no they just have they have to saw his hands yeah so what they do to to get proof of him is they have to take off his hands um and and i think that lawrence's reactions and just her facial expressions trying to (laughs) do what she's actually doing is really good like it's such an intense and like shocking moment um and it really is the glue for this odd and isolated story it it makes sense that something this unexpected and shocking and weird would happen towards the end of a story like this and I remember like after that happens she goes to the police station you know to get her proof and and she puts the hands there and he's like, are you sure these are your dad's hands? Like they could be anyone. She's like, they're his hands. Okay. Like she's, she's had it. Um, and it's just a very confident role, but I, I love this ending. I, I think, I think it's so great and such a well-earned conclusion to a slightly repetitive story, as we said. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah. But like repetitive in a good way. I, I wasn't bothered by it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like every interaction. It's a build up. She was asking the same question. It's like showing different sides for her. And like another thing in that scene with like the, the, the climax of the movie when they're at the lake, I think that that scene also shows a lot of a little more complexity for Del Dickey's character. Cause like yes. up to that point, you've only seen her like this tough woman that doesn't take shit from anybody it's just like always really serious but like in that scene you see a little vulnerability from her because like when she's asking Reed to like saw her dad's hands and she can't do it because it's like she's like obviously like if someone tells you to cut your dad's hands you're not going to be able to do it that easily and then when she's about to do it herself you see a little hesitation on her face because she doesn't even want to do it herself yeah. And so yeah, it's good to see her a little more vulnerable, and it gives 
a little dicky more to play than just being this tough woman. Yeah, I mean, anyone in this situation, despite how tough they seemingly are, is going to be vulnerable. I mean, can you imagine having to chop off your dad's hands with a chainsaw in order to prove to the government that you can keep your house? Really I mean, that, that's nuts. Um, yeah, I, I really like it. Um, I don't yeah, really know what else to say. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to say my words here. Um, because this mm-hmm. is just such a visual moment. Like the, the look of, awesome. of uh, Dale Dickey just like grinding her teeth and, and not looking back while Jennifer Lawrence has her mouth wide open, trying not to vomit and just is in complete shock is such an intense and like well-captured shot um, that it's hard for me to really describe it and talk about it because it is, it is an experience and it is, it is such an such a specific world that Granik has created. Um, so you do need to see it for yourself in order to understand. Yeah, and there's another thing that it's probably, I don't know if it was the intention when they were making it, but it's probably just my fucked up sense of humor. <laughs> so, like there's like some kind of darkly comedic aspect to that scene. Because at the beginning, like they only saw one of the hands and then Jennifer Lawrence gives it to Del Dickey. And she lets go of the body. And she's like, oh, like, why did you let go of him? Because if you don't, if you only get one, they're gonna think that he only cut it up to not go to jail. And you have to get both of them. Go in there and go it again. <laughs> I don't know. That kind of made me laugh, even though the scene is very serious. I don't know if they that was intended, but it, I know, I don't know. It was kind of funny. <laughs> I didn't laugh, but I kind of get that just because it's like the sudden moment of, of humanizing it when it's so quiet and and stern right until that moment and it's just like what the fuck are you doing go get it um but also like didn't you say you find a clockwork orange like really entertaining and fun yeah it's a really fun movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah that that's what you're getting people um the devils is another really fun movie (laughs) there you go uh but yeah i mean the, the the actual last shot of this movie is good too. It's another heartwarming moment, as heartwarming as you can get in such a cold movie where she's with her two siblings and she's basically saying, I'm here for you and you're going you're gonna to accomplish what I am. And then the movie ends with just a shot of them all sitting together. Um, yeah, and like the little sister is playing with the banjo that belonged to their dad. Yeah. It's it's overall very good. Like I don't I don't really have too many complaints. I suppose there is a section of it, like after um the police interaction scene with John Hawks and like before they get taken out to like there is like a little bit of time that I was just kind of dozing off during, but it's a nitpick. Um, not really an issue with the film. Plus, as you said, it's 99 minutes. Not much, not much issues with time and with you know slow pacing um because it it isn't like a quickly paced movie it's it's very clearly intended um to have something building up um and i think and i think i think it does a good job i mean i don't know as far as a best picture nominee goes it's just so against the grain that i have to respect it a lot um so i'm sorry I'm, i'm having such a difficult time talking about it um, but yeah, I mean, we've covered the entire movie fairly quickly. Yeah. 
it's a really great one. I hope that people see it if they haven't. Yeah, I mean, and it's... I will now it's... speak out all of the Barbaric's other movies that I haven't seen. Yeah, I probably should do that too. Uh, I have heard Leave No Trace is very good. Yeah, I, she's really good at giving people, like, br- breaking people out, giving them careers with Jennifer Lawrence in this movie, and then also uh, Vera comes to Mackenzie, with, uh-huh. oh yeah, Vera Farmiga and Down to the Bone, who mm-hmm. all went on to do a lot better, better, not better, but bigger things later in their careers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she also did a movie called Stray Dog. I'm looking at it now. It's a documentary. Oh, okay. That's why I've never heard of it. Uh, But she seems to be a force. I'm excited for her next few movies or movie, whatever they are, because I assume... I hope she gets to, I I hope she gets to, like, to make a lot more movies and that they come out more, uh, more often. And it's not like a Lynn Ramsey situation where she gets to make a movie every, like, 10 years. Do you know who I'd love to see in one of her films? Brooklyn Prince. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. And like, even, like, get more unknown people, because, like, you know, maybe she'll find the next Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Um, but I am excited for her upcoming work that I hope happens. Uh, but any more comments on the plot? I mean, I suppose we can expand our film discussion when we get to the questions and the Oscars. Uh, but yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's all I have to say about Winter's Bone. As of now. <laughs> yeah, well, our first question is from Best Picture Cast from Kieran. He asks, does Jennifer Lawrence have a role slash performance like this in her near future? Or has she graduated from this type of gritty part? Well, the, she has that movie that I mentioned at the beginning called like Red, White, on Water. It's based on a book. I don't really know what it's about, but maybe it'll be coming out. Maybe it will be somewhat similar to this. And also, I don't like that word, like graduation, because like this is probably better than the thing she's done after. So maybe she needs to go back to school. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I think the interesting thing is Money is a hard thing to resist. I mean, it really is. It if is. I were, like, if, she's made enough. She was in all those excellent yeah. movies. She, was, she had the, the Hunger Games thing. I'm sure she already has the money she needs. That's the thing. I wonder if she's going to keep wanting more money or if she's... Because how much did she get for Don't Look Up? Probably like 20 a million lot. or something like that. Like, did you really need to? I mean, here's the thing. A lot of people actually say they really want to work with Adam McKay. Like, a lot of actors recently have talked about that. So maybe she was genuinely, like, in for it and, and she seemed to be passionate about it. But I hope that she's able to get another role. Maybe not like this, because it's going to be kind of impossible for her, her to get a role, like, in such a small movie like this. Um, but at least another independent movie. At least something where she isn't playing a loud, boisterous figure yeah. in a David O. Russell movie. Something, yeah, something that is not in a David O. Russell movie or playing a real person. Mm-hmm. And then Chauncey Tillis asks, does Deborah Gar- Granick ever get another nomination? 
I hope so. <laughs> like this last few years have been like a lot of like women filmmakers are getting a lot more attention in big awards. Mm. So I hope that that's a good sign for things that will happen in the future. And like maybe we should mention this now, but I think she deserved the director nomination from this. Yeah. I mean, had had, Definitely. had this lineup of Best Picture nominees had been today, I actually think she would have been nominated for Best Director, considering what the director's branch is like. Knowing how snobby they are, I really don't think that David O. Russell would have been able to get nominated over her. And that's, I mean, that's just my take. Um, I mean, we still get our top Phillips every month. That's, again. That is true. Like the Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they did snub Christopher Nolan for Inception. That was snobby, if there ever was a snobby decision. Uh, but I don't know. It just it just feels like they would they would do that. But I think this is the first year where two movies nominated for Best Picture had a female director. It was the second year. The first time was the year before with an education. Oh, okay. The second year. Um, So expanding it to 10 was a very good idea. (laughs) It was. Yeah. But something about me does like having five Best Picture nominees. Yeah. But then I don't think they would ever pick the right five. So I'm glad that they have That's true. the 10 so that you could get, I'm I'm scared to think that maybe in 2013, like if there are only five nominees then her would have gotten, wouldn't have gotten in. Yeah. Or something like that. So I'm glad that we have the 10. So like yeah. some cool movies like this or like her or like something else I'm thinking of what. Well, I don't know. Something like Sound of Metal probably wouldn't have gotten in a, in a five yeah. five nominees. So I'm glad that there's the five. So they, like, even if they have no chance of winning, at least they have the nomination. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I don't know. Uh, maybe Winter's Bone wouldn't have even gotten nominated today. Who knows? It's just the competition that year was just so much more different than... It, it, it's been every year since I feel like every year after 2009 and 2010 there have been many more contenders because studios know how much easier it is to get a best picture nomination in a field of 10 than five um so I suppose there was a build-up but yeah I mean it, it is a very inspired choice um, and then our, our other question is from Gabe but it talks about the supporting actor race so we will get into that now i guess if you want if you want to okay. go into that yeah sure yeah so alongside john hawks um the other nominees were jeremy renner for the town mark ruffalo for the kids are all right jeffrey rush for the king's speech and the winner was christian bale for the fighter so what are, what are your thoughts on this category is John Hawks your, your choice? Are, well, this is a tough question, which will will be the case again in Best Actress. But for this, like, I love John Hawks in this movie. I think she's great. He's great. And I like him better than the winner. But, like, I also really love 
Mark Ruffalo in the guitar, right? Like those are a very clear top two and they're very different performances. And I think that they both play very complex and, and have like a very clear arc for their characters. But I think I would have to go with Mark Ruffalo on this, even though like a very close number two. Yeah, my number one is also Mark Ruffalo. Uh, but John Hawks definitely deserved the nomination. It's not something I would have predicted. He wasn't a name. He got in over yeah. a loud performance from a more well-known star that was in a movie that had a better chance of winning Best Picture. Um, and well, his tell wasn't a well-known star by that time under Garfield. Are you well, talking about him? More well-known than John Hawks, I would say. Well, yeah, I think. <laughs> Uh, but then, like, John Hawks also had, like, the beginning of the 2010s, he had, like, because then the next year he had the session, no, the next year he had Mar- Martha Mercy May-, May Marlene, I don't know the, the order of those names, but he was in that movie with Elizabeth Olsen, and he also got a lot of buzz for that performance, and maybe could have gotten a nomination and surprise, and then the year after that, he had the sessions. Which he was expected also- to get nominated for and didn't, and he should have been. Um yeah, he's definitely better than Hugh Jackson. one of those. <laughs> uh, but as for this category, my ranking, I would say my least favorite is Jeremy Renner. And he's still good. Yeah, this, ex- is, this a is a very, good, very good for, lineup. For supporting not... actor, especially. Like, it might be the best one, at least of recent it's years. definitely up there. Yeah, it's so rare that I, dis- I don't dislike any performance in this category. Um, my fourth would be Christian Bale, third, John Hawks, second, Jeffrey Rush, and first, Mark Ruffalo, if, if we're going to do a ranking. Mine is, I agree, number five is Jeremy Renner, then four. I would say probably um, um, Jeffrey Rush. And I change a lot because Jeffrey Rush used to be my winner. So like this top oh. four is very good. Then uh, in number three, probably Christian Bale, then John Hawks, and then Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, but it's a very good lineup. Um, I don't know who I would have included thinking about it. I feel like there's someone I'm forgetting about. Oh, well, you uh, you mentioned for a bit another year at the beginning oh the, yeah the Jim and I just watched that tonight and no Jim Broadbent is I would consider him a lead in that movie so I would say Peter White who has a very small role he plays like uh, Jim Broadbent's one of his friends his name is getting he's really really good in the movie he's like this man who is overweight and he's like uh, uh, basically, he's upset about people not finding him attractive. <laughs> oh well, I yeah, oh, it's Mike it's, Lee it's, performance. He's really great in the movie. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. Maybe like even okay. I don't know if you're gonna agree with this. Um, what's his name? Josh Hutcherson in the Kids Are All Right. He plays the son. Oh, yeah. He's good, but he's like my least favorite performance in that movie. I think yeah. Shikovska as a daughter is, has a lot more to do. She's great. But everyone in that movie is so great. So it's... Yeah. Yeah, it's 
I would, I would oh, say. Oh, and another person. Ben Mendelsohn in Animal Kingdom. Oh, of course. Yeah. Maybe even like as the winner, I'm going to say. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, and that movie's really good. Deserves yeah. more than just Jackie Weaver. Deserves a lot of nominations. <laughs> yeah. And then adapted screenplay. It was up against 127 Hours, Toy Story 3, True Grit. And the winner was, of course, The Social Network. What are your thoughts here? This is a very good lineup. And I, this is probably like my most controversial opinion that I do think that Winter's Bone should have won this. Because I even rewatched The Social Network last night to make sure. And yes, because like I used to love The Social Network. It was like my favorite movie ever. But over time, like that choke hold that Aaron Sorkin had on me and has gone. And yeah, I still like the movie. I think it's very good. But a lot of the ticks that he's known for bothered me a little more than they used to when like this last time I watched it. Like people I bring, like They bring up random things. They bring up random things because he's trying to say how smart he is and that he knows all of these random facts and the characters will just blurt it out and it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, and there's like um So yeah, I'm not a Aaron Sorkin fan. And I still like the movie, but I didn't love it as much as I used to. So yeah, I would give adapted screenplay to Winter's Bone. This is the one should have won. I am torn. I might just say fuck it and go with Toy Story 3. Yeah, I that's my number two. I love yeah. Toy Story 3. It's if a, a movie, movie like that ending is so well written, it's so well timed. And hits the emotional... Yeah, same, same. And I didn't feel much watching The Social Network. So I'm going to say Toy Story 3. And maybe The Social Network is the right choice. Maybe that's an influential screenplay. But All of this is subjective. There is nothing that shows that's like the correct choice, which is what you like the most. And out of these movies, Toy Story 3 is my favorite. Also, 127 Hours is a great movie. I'm excited to talk about that one. No one talks about that movie enough because it's very good. Um, And I'm not going to be here for that, but I think that James Franco should have won that. Interesting. I know we don't like him anymore, but I don't... That's a good... It's a good lineup. lineup. I'm not like a big fan of it. Like, I don't dislike any of the performances, but I also don't love any uh-huh. of them so yeah james yeah. Franco is my one my choice that year the only movie i don't like in this adapted screenplay category is true grit which did not deserve any of its nominations in my mind i don't understand why people liked it i don't understand any of its nominations really i just think it's such a bad movie um and i hate that i have to talk about it because it's just so bad um <laughs> And it being an adapted screenplay is really, like, mind-boggling to me. It just, like, really doesn't deserve to be nominated here. Um, Was Animal Kingdom original or adapted? It was original. Dang it. Okay, I don't know what I would replace, but definitely not have that there. The rest of these four are good, but Toy Story 3 is my favorite of this bunch so I'm gonna say that it's my winner um 
And then between you're talking about like what would you use to replace? Well, I personally would put Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part One. Okay, I would put Tangled. And uh, also, I don't <laughs> dislike uh, Trigret like you. I think it's a good movie. I don't, hate, I don't love it. I don't hate it either. So the one that I would replace is actually 127 Hours. <laughs> Even though I like that more as a movie, I don't think the screenplay. It's not is about the screenplay. It's more about the acting and like the technical aspects of it. Yeah, the cinematography and the editing with the, all the split screens. Yeah, um, but yeah. I'm going Toy Story 3, you're going Winner's Bone. I like that we're both going against the grain for this one because everyone thinks that The Social Network is the best movie of the decade and the best adapted screenplay winner ever. And I just never really felt the passion for it that everyone else did. Like, I know so many people get mad about the fact that The King's Speech seemingly won Best Picture over The Social Network. First of all, I don't think it was that. Yeah, neither should have won. And I don't think it was that much of a surprise. Plus, I like the King's Speech. Like, it's not a bad movie. So y'all are pressed for such extreme reasons. It's The Social Network is a good movie, but it is not the best thing since bread. It is not the be all end all of movies. It really isn't. I'm sorry. It's just not. Uh, Yeah. Do you want to do picture or actress? Which one you choose? Well, let's do picture first. <laughs> okay. Uh, alongside Winter's Bone, nominated are 127 Hours, Black Swan, The Fighter, Inception, The Kids Are All Right, The Social Network, Toy Story 3, True Grit, and The King's Speech is, is your winner. So talk to me about this category. What are, what are your thoughts? I love this category. I like all of the movies nominated, which is not a very u- a usual thing. There's not a single a single one of them I dislike, even though there are obviously some that I like more than others. Even like for me, the fighter and trick grid are the weakest in the category, but they're yeah, still they still have their their good aspects. Um so yeah, I really love this lineup. Like Toy Story 3, only the third animated film nominated, and it's incredible i remember watching the movie the first time and like the scene when they were all lying waiting to get burned in the trash place i was like bawling my eyes out i yeah. love that movie so much then like uh winter's bone we've already talked about it a lot i love it and my like, conception is a really fun movie to watch and, like it's very it's better than most blockbusters out well not a very high bar you're setting there. <laughs> no, but I do really like Conception. Then the kids are all right. It's a very well written movie. It's I just really like all the movies in this, but there's one that I haven't mentioned, and there's a reason. It's because Black Swan. Black Swan is like so clearly number one for me in this. Because that movie has such an effect on me. I, like, I, the first time I watched it was when I was first starting to get into movies and the Oscars. And, like, the last 
30 minutes of Black Swan, like everything from when they're finally doing the performance and everything that goes on behind the scenes and like Nolly Portman's transformation when she goes from being the Black Swan to the White Swan to Black Swan and then back again. It's so great. Like I have chills the whole time I'm watching the last act of Black Swan. It's like, like that's the kind of thing that makes me love movies and like nothing comes close to Black Swan in this. So yeah, it's like definitely what should have won. Uh, I like this lineup too. I mean, as I said, True Grit, certainly not a fan of. Uh, I don't love Inception or uh, The Fighter. They're decent. I don't really have any strong feelings about either. They're pretty good. As for the others, I said 127 Hours and Winner's Bone are the two that surprised me the most. They're, mo- they're both so good, and I didn't expect much from them. Uh, the Social Network I talked about, not my favorite. I understand, like, loving the movie. I understand thinking of should have won. But a lot of comments about that movie are really extreme, and I don't get it to that level. Um, but it's still very good. It's not like I, I dislike it. Um, and then the King's Speech, I said, it's a sweet movie. It's maybe not a best picture winner, but it's very charming and has a good story with good acting and good characters. And I understand a passion for it in that there is an emotional crowd-pleasing side to it that you don't really get out of a lot of these other movies that appeals probably more towards older members of the Academy, which is usually not the type of Academy that I like, but it is good. And then the kids are all right. And Toy Story 3 are so amazing. They're definitely favorites of mine. The kids are all right is a movie I'm very thrilled to discuss on this podcast. I mean, it's the cover of it. So I clearly love it a lot. It's so much fun. As you said, it's well written. The characters are very three-dimensional and well-developed. And like, it's a summer dramedy. That's amazing that it got nominated for these big awards. And Annette Benning and Julianne Moore are like such amazing actresses. So obviously they're a reason to gravitate towards to it. Toy Story 3, very inspired nomination. Love that animated movie got a Best Picture nomination. And out of the three that did, this is my favorite animated movie that got a Best Picture nomination. It's very emotional. Very, it's always been my favorite Toy Story movie. Um, And as you said, that ending just absolutely (laughs) destroys you. It's so sad and just heartbreaking and I love it so much and I agree Black Swan takes the cake for me that is such a great movie it is an amazing thriller drama and horror it has surreal elements it has fantasy elements and a shitload of drama and bitches just being bitches and there's not there's much like, that you line, can like in the movie. No, sorry. There's that line that I will always remember when when they're at like the big party announcing like who's gonna be the next Swan Queen, and you have oh. like drunk Winona Ryder, and she's like, "What? He always thought you were such a frigid little girl. Like, what did you do to change his mind? Did you suck his cock?" Yeah. I, <laughs> I also love the scene where they're about to find out who the swan queen is and she thinks that the other girl got it and she's like congratulations (laughs) and she's like she's like what the fuck she's so mad at her like there's so much drama and then obviously the horror elements are 
horrifying and disgusting like the scene where she has the hangnail and then like the mirror scene so gross and then the iconic shot whore written on the mirror that has inspired countless memes and references yeah black swan is amazing it is i'm gonna say this it deserved more nominations it was expected to get like eight nominations and it got not a lot it didn't do as well as it yeah it got five that reminds me of yeah, Zero Dark it should 30. have been in custom design should have been in production design should have been in sound supporting in actress effects. yeah supporting actress and i i don't love Minna Kunis. it should have been barbara hershey barbara hershey yeah yeah Incredible. exactly so good um but that movie made a lot of money it did really well considering what it was i love that she swept um I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, a very, it's my winner. It's not a very... What? I, I, love, I love it. It's my winner. I suppose Winter's Bone would fall in the middle of the ranking for me. It's very good. Winter's Bone is my number three after Black Swan and Toy Story 3. I can't do a ranking on the spot, but it's in the middle. <laughs> um, anything else? No, I guess we can move on to Best Actress, our favorite category. Yes, yes. Uh, so alongside J-Law, Annette Benning is nominated for The Kids Are All Right, Nicole Kidman for Rabbit Hole, Michelle Williams for Blue Valentine, and Natalie Portman wins for Black Swan. Go it, get into it. So I wanted to leave these for last because it's the one where I am the most indecisive because this is probably like, one definitely one of my favorite lineups in this category like easily the best of that decade for me because they're all like really great performances in good movies because a lot of the time you get like a good performance but like the movie not so much but they're all like in very good movies they're all doing like a lot of them are doing like career best work like it's my that's my favorite and a Benning nomination. That's my favorite Michelle Williams nomination. And that's my favorite Natalie Portman nomination. The same thing with uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, wow. I, I la- <laughs> yeah, Nicole Kidman, I like her more in other things, but she's still really great. Like, not, like, not my favorite Nicole Kidman is better than the best of most other people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this is, I love this lineup so much. And I change my winners all the time. Like, the most recent movie I see is usually the one that gets the win so like this time I've already said how much I love Black Swan but in terms of performance I have to go with Michelle Williams in Blue Valentine I like I watched Black Swan and Blue Valentine back to back and when I watched Black Swan I was like oh like obviously like Natalie is definitely the best in that lineup and then I watched Blue Valentine I was like oh my god what am I gonna do I love them both so much but I just think that because Natalie Portman's character in Black Swan is she is like she's not really like a real human person (laughs) oh my god she's not a real person she is like a human girl person (laughs) And she ain't always perfect. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So you just I reminded me that... of Rambling Rose. <laughs> yeah. 
that's also what I thought of when I said that but yeah I just think that Michelle gets to play like so many human emotions and you see like all of her like very different sides of her character from like the flashbacks when she was this very hopeful girl mm-hmm. who had like so much excitement for what was going to happen in her life and then when you see her so beat down in the later scenes and there's like that scene after like when they're in the the motel and she looks herself in the bathroom it's just so heartbreaking and then like the scene at the end when he goes to her to the hospital where she works and he's like making a scene and she's like Mm -hmm. I'm so out of love with you like there's nothing left for you here and I I always remember that scene when I think about it maybe so yeah I have to go with Michelle now Wow. Okay. Michelle is my last place, but but she's still great. It's only because that's the movie that I'm the least familiar with. And I saw it for the first time two years ago. Well, as all the other of these, I've seen a lot more recently. I've rewatched three of them within I've I've watched the other four within the last year. Um, so Michelle Williams being my last is just a testament to that. I mean, she's so good. Um Natalie Portman, I agree with as a winner, but any of them could have won. And I would say I agree with them as a winner. Um, I used to not really like Natalie, I mean, Nicole Kidman, but I've moved past that stage. She's really good. And she handles this exploration of grief in a, such a heartbreaking and passionate way. Um, I've talked about J-Law. And Annette Benning is so good in The Kids Are All Right. Um, even though it's kind of a rom-com, I don't think her performance is like comedic, at least in the way that it is in American Beauty or even being Julia. No, I think um, that Julia Moore gets to do more, most of the, like the broad comedy. And then we, yeah, and, and, Mar- and Mark more. Ruffalo. And, and okay. Annette is really like the backbone of the movie. Um, she's very, very good. It's such a sensitive and subtle role with such a fierce delight to it. Um, I love Annette Bening in, in pretty much everything, and this is no exception. This is such a great role for her to play. Um, and then Natalie Portman as Nina Sayers is so good. This is one of the best Best Actress winners. This is her best performance. This is how to correctly reward a performer. Um, and it just makes sense to me that she would sweep. It's, it's so undeniable um yeah and, i'm not like at all mad she's one of my favorite winners in the category but i just yeah. love this lineup so I yeah love everyone it's hard nominated. it's hard hard to hard to get through it but unfortunately jennifer lawrence is not my win which means i don't give winter's bone any awards but like had it been nominated the year after that would be a very different it conversation easy <laughs> winner in all of oh them oh my god <laughs> yeah it just it, it just has to do with the timing um but yeah, yeah. like uh, the same thing with angela bassett in 1993 she had to face oh yeah an undeniable winner but then the next year like no she would have won she would have won. there was no winner in 1994 nope and there were no nominees either it was just yeah they just didn't have the best actress category that year it was so weird yeah they just listened to alan bursting when she said there are no good leading ladies you should just not give the award yeah exactly i'm so glad that they decided to do that um but it is interesting so as as i've said this a lot i i won't talk about it a lot more um 
2006 is my favorite best actress lineup and and you were saying like everyone in this lineup does their career best performance that's how I feel about that lineup except for one of the performers in it but that's a topic for another day and it's the same thing like any of them if it was nominated the year before they would be an easy winner but because they had to be against each other it's difficult I mean this stuff is so tough it's a shame. Oh, can you imagine if Winner's Bone came out in 2011? Oh, would have been so good. <laughs> like, I love Christopher Plummer, but like, John Hawks gets my win. Yeah, and Jennifer Lawrence gets my win. Yep. And Winner's Bone, no, I wouldn't give it the best picture because like, The Tree of Life is one of my favorites of all time. But adapted but... screenplay, yes. Definitely. Yeah. But yeah, any, any more comments um, on this year's Oscars? Any other nominations you think that Winner's Bone should have gotten? Yes, I would have nominated Bill Dickey and I would have nominated the Regranican director. And that's it. I would not nominate Dale Dickey. She would be my sixth. Um, it's very close. And I would nominate Deborah Granick in director. I think I like her more than all of them, except for Darren Aronofsky. I think I agree with that. Yes. And I would nominate Danny Boyle for 127 hours. Like if we're basing it off of like this lineup of 10, I would put him in there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I would nominate him, but he is also better than at least some of the nominees. Well, and something else that's like Oscar Jason, this is the third time I bring up another year because I watched it today <laughs> and I like raved about this best actors lineup and how I love everyone. But if Leslie Manville was nominated in Best Actress, she would be, like, so easy a winner. She's incredible in that movie. It's, like, the biggest train wreck you've ever seen. Like, <laughs> every scene of her in that movie is, like, secondhand embar- embarrassment personified. Because she's, like, such a mess. And I love her. Everything that she does she's is amazing. perfect. Like, when has she ever been bad in a movie? Every time she's in a movie, she makes it better. Always. It has that. Like, even that scene, like, the, the, her small role in Secrets and Lies. And she's oh, so my God. She should have been nominated for Secrets and Lies. Like, I'll say it. She's so good. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I suppose I would agree with the director. Maybe cinematography? Let me look at the lineup. Mm. It's tough. I don't think I would do that. No, no. But it's probably better than someone who's there. I don't know. I don't know who's there. <laughs> it's, it's tough. It, it is a very good year at the Oscars. Um, yeah, they I'm, did I'm glad they recognized it. Uh, that's all I'll say. Uh, yeah. So, Ronaldo, where are you available? Um, just on Twitter at rsantana2024. And I am on Twitter at Sam the Parasite, Letterboxed Sam Meltzer. Please review and rate this podcast on whichever podcast service you use. And thank you all for listening.